the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruane, tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to Maximum Growth Live. My name is Jay Ruin. I am your host. I am the CEO of FirmFlex, which is social media marketing for lawyers, as well as the managing partner of Ruin Attorneys in Connecticut. And with me, as always, is my good friend down in D.C., the CEO of Blue Shark Digital, which is an SEO uh, firm for lawyers, as well as Price Benowitz, managing partner. Seth, there he is over there. How you doing today, Seth? Doing well. We live in uh, interesting times, Jay. We live in interesting times. We are. You know, we're still sort of reeling from a couple of days ago from that uh, uh, from that debate debacle. Uh, and uh, we were talking about it before we came on air. Uh, we're not going to bore you guys with our, with our perspective on it. But, you know, something else happened this week, Seth. I want to talk to you a little bit about it because we talk about it on the Tuesday show. Uh, I'm, I'm having some trouble with this Google local services. Uh, and I want to explain what happened because for many of our viewers and listeners out there, this could be something that happens to them. So as you know, I got in early, you know, back in August, as soon as they opened it up for lawyers, I said, hey, let me uh, let me get my stuff in. Uh, it was on top of it. It took me a while to go through the background check and all that stuff. And then we're cranking. We're getting we're getting leads. They're converting. I'm loving it. Everything's great. And then about five days ago, silence. And I'm like, boy, that's strange. What, what happened there? So uh, I try to log into the dashboard to see what's going on. On my phone, I'm logging in just fine. There's just no new lead. So I'm like, something doesn't feel right. You know, there's, there's something going on. So I try to log in on desktop. And when I try to log in on desktop, I get kicked back out to the verification stage. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've passed verification here. And that was not an easy thing, right? We no, no. It took for, a while. for ourselves and all our clients, getting people through. You're lucky you got through early. It is a lot of, it takes a lot of elbow grease to get yourself through. Yeah, exactly. And I jumped through all the hoops. You know, I've got a lot of lawyers. I know you've got a lot of lawyers. I mean, it's one thing if you're just the solo, right? It's just you. A lot more riding on it if you're just the solo. But, you know, I had to go through. I've got lawyers in different states. I have to figure all that stuff out. Um, 
So I finally, I'm like, okay, I got to get on the phone with them because it's, it's something doesn't make sense. So I call them up. I get told, hey, the guy you need to talk to, he's left for the day, which blows my mind that there's maybe one guy for me to talk to. So they're like, so we see some notes here in the file. By the way, you told us in 2005 not to call you for anything. So you're on our do not call list. Do you want to take that off? So then I have to go through this whole rigmarole of getting off a do not call list for Google. I don't remember ever signing up for that. I get calls from their vendors all the time. Uh, the, the people who try to uh, up your juice, your uh, pay-per-click campaign. Uh, so I don't get it. And so they're like, okay, fine. Leave him a message. He'll call you back. I get nothing. 24 hours pass. I'm like, I got to get on the phone with these people. I don't know what's going on. Sure enough. I get on the phone. They're like, oh, we were just sending you an email. The person you need to talk to has left for the day again. Uh, but he emailed you. Check your email. I, I check my email and there's an email from him saying, yes, um, we see that you made it through all the steps. However, we were unable to validate any of the law licenses of any of your lawyers because we looked on this website and none of you guys are on this website. And I look and the website they're pointing to me is a bar association website. It's not the state of Connecticut. It's not the licensing authority in the state of Connecticut. It has nothing to do. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fraternal organization. I mean, great, that, it's, right. it's a big organization. And that you, you are summing up in a nutshell, the utter frustration, you know, with COVID uh, GMB support shut down. Now it's on life support. You know, they're doing this. This is clearly a, a money grab, right? Lawyers already are verified by the bar. Like there's not, this is not the same thing as locksmiths or home improvements where there's like a bunch of rogue people out there. And the fact that you're seeing this shows you how rinky dink it is. Google, which controls all of our business lives to a certain extent, is basically does not even understand what is real and what is voluntary. And yeah. it, it just, it, it, it's utterly frustrating. We've seen it over and over. Uh, people that should be in aren't in yet. You know, the, the, the background check kicking things back for nonsensical reasons. The background checks in general are a pain, but the idea that they're doing this in mass and are giving people an unfair advantage who get in early. I mean, again, it's not going to make or break anybody. It's four or five extra cases you got. God bless you. Uh, but that but that being said, it is a, a process. And it, it look, at some point, this is the thing. Google will have an antitrust issue. You know, there, there's really and that the, the issue has been under Trump, that's not going to be there. And under Obama, it was all Google money supporting, uh, you know, Obama there. All they have to do is what their own old motto used to be, which is don't do any evil. Right. You know, right. and that when you're doing this and you're making people jump through absurd hoops, it's just completely infuriating. And when you when you know full well that what you're trying to do is get yourself in position to take more advertising dollars per search it's it, it, that much more frustrating yeah and you know what's interesting is that you know a, a couple of days ago before i ran into this problem it's like it's like my year of problems with google services right the only thing that seems to work without a problem is pay-per-click where i'm giving them you know twenty thirty five thousand dollars a month in pay-per-click that works swimmingly right that's no problem but uh, it's interesting i ran some searches for practice areas where i'm not advertising and local services and i saw one law firm have all three slots and i'm thinking wow 
that's uh, that's kind of a bold move. You know, at least with pay-per-click, like you got one slot and maybe somebody else gets the other. But for this local services, the way they have it set up right oh, now. It's, it's very, it's clunky and it's not, yeah. it'll, it'll get there. Google, you know, they'll spend the money to get it there, but living through it, not, not a lot of fun. But I think if you just put in perspective that those that got in, they're getting, a, they're getting a handful of cases. It's awesome. Happy for them, but it's not going to make or break your year. You'll get in. Google has the incentive because remember, once they get everybody in, that's then a second stream of re- revenue beyond pay-per-click for them in the legal space. And that's what they're trying to do. Like Everything they've done is trying to get people not to leave their screen, meaning whether it's the GMB, now it's it's preferred ads. They, they, are, they are playing hardball and the lead gen people, you know, getting yeah, squeezed out. They, they definitely are. And that, that brings me up to a, a good topic and something that I want you to think about so we can talk about it next Tuesday. Um, because I think it's something that I, that we all have to sort of wrap our heads around. Now, our competitors aren't necessarily the law firm down the street. Now, our competitor is Google. And that's really who we're competing with uh, because they yeah, own the real it, estate. You see it in the hotel space, right? That the hotel, rather than going directly to the hotel, you now have all these different third parties. And then Google is basically putting people up there in a marketplace where they're getting cuts. It, it is it is unbelievable. So yes, we, we have that. And then, you know, if you want to really have your head hurt, you have the the influx of outside money into states like Arizona and, and Utah and possibly furthers to come like California, that that is going to be an additional front. So it is never boring in our game. Um, and that uh, I think staying staying alert, awake, and continuing to be able to pivot very very important. All right, awesome. So what we're going to do now is we're going to actually uh, tee up our interview because we've got a great one today. Uh, Seth, tell us who we have with us today and a little bit about some background so our viewers uh, can be ready to go. Sure, Sean Dominic, an awesome lawyer, known known him for years. He put together not only is he secretary of AAJ and will God willing someday be president in a couple of years, but he has put together a really uh, powerhouse firm in the uh, Palm Beach area um, with uh, three dynamic partners. And I, what I'm excited to hear about today is how he pulled that off. They had three people who were each rock stars in their own right. And we're able to bring them together to create something where the uh, I believe we're going to find out that the, uh, the 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 actual creation is much greater than the the sum of each of those guys individually. So uh, excited. Let's let's get Sean brought in so we can you know maximize our time with him. Awesome. Let's do that. So we'll go right to our sponsors. A couple quick messages. I'll bring up Sean and then we'll be able to take it from there. So hang tight, folks. We'll be right back with this edition of the Maximum Growth Live interview. You're listening to Maximum Growth Live from Maximum Lawyer Media. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you want to get into social media marketing? Unsure of where to begin? The Firm Flex DIY plan was created for small firm and solo lawyers who want to start social media marketing for their firm but can't commit to the large budgets many agencies charge. In just five minutes a day, with the help of the Firm Flex coaches, you get daily ideas, weekly themes, hashtags, and stock images you can use to post on social media and market your firm. With a private and vibrant Facebook group you can always turn to, the Firm Flex DIY plan gives you the ultimate control over your marketing. By using the Firm Flex DIY program, as well as our weekly coaching and industry leading hacks, you can set your social media up for success, all for around $3 a day. Try it today at getfirmflex.com slash DIY. 
In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. I know I can trust their, their input and their advice because they truly care about the people that they work with and just want to see you succeed. Sean, great to have you here. Uh, not only is Sean uh, one of my my favorite lawyers, uh, AAJ leadership, uh, you know, future uh, president of AAJ, but w- the reason we wanted you here today, Sean, was we wanted to talk to you about how you pulled off what I think is just incredible, where you took three amazing talents in your region and brought them together to create one powerhouse firm. Uh, Seth, it's it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you know, trying trying to uh, merge together uh, two existing firms uh, is actually harder than starting something uh, from scratch. And uh, looking forward to talking to you about it because I've done both <laughs> in my career. Well, let's start with that because you know it's uh, pretty cool what you've created, what you have right now. I'm sure your your other earlier um, formations uh, were very fulfilling, but for a lot of our listeners, they're sitting there, many solos, maybe with a partner. But how did you, you know, three distinct personalities bringing that together is not nothing, especially when they're playing at the level that you guys play at. Walk me through. Was this sort of did you do this consciously? Was this an opportunity that fell in your lap? How did you go about creating Don, uh, Dominic Cunningham and Whalen? Well, all three of us had known each other for many years and had talked about uh, the ability to work together over time, but the, the the moment just had never been right. And finally, that opportunity came. And uh, you know, when you're, we knew each other, we knew each other's work ethic, we knew each other's reputation, we knew each other's uh, ethics, uh, which is so important. Uh, We knew each other's priorities and uh, our commitment, for example, one of the important things was that we were all committed to organizations like AHA and FJA, because those things take a lot of time and a lot of resources. So if everybody's not on the same page with fundamental things like that, then you really can't move forward. So, you know, the first thing is to sit down and have a discussion about what are your goals, what are your hopes, what are your dreams, what do you want to accomplish uh, as you go forward uh, over the next phase uh, of what your legal career is. So we sat down and probably had three or four conversations that were really these general conversations about um, what it was that we were looking to get out of out of the law what we were looking to get out of a practice individually, why it is that we wanted to work together, what was it that was motivating each of us uh, to take this step. So we had those types of conversations at the very beginning. Well, you know, each of you guys are, are known as great uh, practitioners, trial lawyers in your own right. How did you decide how to divide up all that other work, which has to go on, you know, and make sure that nothing went without, you know, a partner overseeing it? Well, each of us have different strengths and and each of us have different weaknesses. And so it was a matter of identifying 
people's different strengths and different weaknesses and and then sort of assigning that area of responsibility to that person and then the other thing that we did that was that was so important is that uh, you know we're about a 10 lawyer firm is uh, that we hired a, a person uh, that we all had great confidence in to be our strategic planner and and help us make sure that we were doing the things that we needed to do in order to move forward and making sure that we had a structure that we needed to have, making sure that we created a firm ethos that everybody from uh, the person that when you walk in the door, all through all of the the staff and through all of the lawyers, that we all shared that same commitment uh, that was there. So it was really a lot of discussion about those types of of, of concepts that then, okay, now how are we going to put this into reality and, and, and act off of it? Did you have an outside consultant or is this an in-house person who worked on the strategic planning with you? That was in-house on the strategic planning. What we did at the beginning on the outside consultant phase is we're all friends, but this is business. And where lawyers get themselves in trouble on business when they're working with friends is to forget that there's the business side of it. And that you just blindly um, uh, think that everything is going to work out. That's how we end up with some of these terrible breakups that happen where people on the front end aren't planning the business side of it. So what's the first thing that you want to do to me in that circumstance? Once you decide that you have this philosophy that works together, personalities that mesh and all of those sort of fundamentals that, that you have to have before you move to the next step. Then what we did was we hired an outside consultant to look at the last, I think it was, we, we did five years of firm receipts for each one of the firms. And what we wanted to do was confirm that, that everybody was, was carrying their own weight, that the cost structure was relatively the same, uh, that is of running the firm, uh, and, and then enable us to sit down and talk about where there were differences and how it was that we were going to handle them. So the outside consultant that we used was more of a financial outside consultant, but somebody that was experienced in law firm practition to make sure that the numbers matched up to what we thought they were. Because a lot of times lawyers think that something is happening and uh, it may not be happening because there's no class that we go to in law school that says, here's how to run a business. So it's a lot of trial and error. And when you go to work at a big firm, nobody's sitting there trying to teach you how to run the business. Uh, so we, we, you know, we learn by, by our mistakes often or by hopefully by others' mistakes. And uh, so we spent a lot of time on making sure that the financial aspect of what it was that we were all bringing matched up to the expectations and hopes that we had. You know, right now you're thought of as a, a national powerhouse, as a firm. What are the things that as you look back, you know, you came together and, uh, you know, right now it, it looks pr pretty good for looking from the outside. What are the things you wish you knew then? You talked about mistakes. What are the things that our listeners should probably, if they are thinking about putting together a firm and bringing people together, what are the things you wish you knew then that you now know? Uh, you know, I, I, we've been fortunate because it's it seems to have gone with the way that we had hoped uh, that it would go. And I think that that's a testament to the time and energy and effort that we put in before we decided to sign off on, on a partnership agreement. And, and the other aspect of, of it was, of course, 
hiring uh, people to sit down with us who are experts in, in creating a partnership agreement. And one of the hardest things that everybody comes deals with is how is compensation going to work? Are you going to be eat what you kill? Are you going to just throw everything into a pot and share it? Some modification of that. So uh, and, and different things work for different people. So you have to figure that out. And then you have to make sure that you have a document that reflects exactly that. So we spent time doing that. And so I think that because we spent so much time on, on the front end in preparing to come together, uh, that it wasn't just let's show up Monday morning and, and hang out a shingle, that we um, haven't had a lot of surprises or that moment, man, I, I, I didn't think about that or that type of thing. Uh, there could be small things. I'm not, you know, obviously you guys have, you know, hit it, you, 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 good culture, good business model, but were there any things that like, you know, you can, you can plan all you want, but there are things like, you know, I, th this is one of those things that, you know, should seem obvious, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't even smaller items. Just curious to see what type of takeaways we can get for people. Sure. Um, gosh, like I said, I, I think that the, the, the things that, that you, that you look at is making sure that you have the right people in the right place. Um, and that you, I think the one, one of the hard parts is you have people that are working for you and you want to give them an opportunity to move forward. But we end up in the Peter principle where you have somebody who is great at one level, great at the next level, and then you promote them to a level where they're no longer performing well. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a lousy employee. No, they're not a lousy employee. They're a great employee. We just didn't put them in a position to succeed. Um, and, and so I think that what I've what I learned is is you really have to put people in a position to exceed and then empower them uh, to succeed. But, you know, I, I think I can talk about the things that you don't know from a business point of view, but all of us had had businesses before. You know, this was not a, any of our first come to uh, law firms. And so, I, like I said, the, the preparation, there really haven't been, oh, we didn't think about this on the front end from a, a business point of view. We really did. So, but the things that you have to, that you really have to think about is, uh, so you start off with things like line of credit. Are you going to get money, borrow money from a bank? Are you going to fund it yourself? Because somebody has to fund the cost of running uh, a plaintiff's personal injury practice. And you have sort of two different sets of costs. You have the cost of running the business that is paying your rent, keeping the lights on, doing all of those types of things. And then you also have the case costs. And what do we know about case costs? Case costs aren't deductible as you go along. So that's a problem for you. And then the question becomes, in, in our practices, who's going to finance that? Are the partners going to invest in it? Or are you going to borrow that money from someone else? We made the decision because money is so cheap uh, right now that it makes sense for us to have a line of credit. Some folks, just it's more difficult for them to borrow money um, at, at bank rates of that, that are so low today. And so the, the the thought process uh, might be a little bit different. And what I look at with regard to our line of credit, I really don't care at any one moment how much is out on the line of credit, as long as the amount on, that's out on the line of credit is 
does not exceed the amount of case costs that we have out on the street. And why is it that I, that I look at it like that? I think that if you looked at most plaintiff's personal injury firms, they probably recover 95 to 97% of the cost that they invest in their cases. Uh, sometimes you might lose a trial or you look at a case and it turns out not to be a case and you've spent some money on it. So if, if, the, if you know that that's true, if you keep your line of credit at 85 cents, uh, you know, at 85% of your case costs, you know that you are always going to be able to pay off that line of credit with those case costs when they come back in. What you don't want to do is get yourself in a position where your line of credit exceeds your case costs, because now you're going to have to pay back your line of credit with fees that are taxable. So every dollar that you're going to pay off to the line of credit, let's say you have to pay 30 cents. Well, you've already paid 40 cents on your taxes. So now you're paying, you're not getting 70 cents on that dollar uh, anymore. So that that's, a, to me, a danger zone place for a plaintiff's personal injury firm when their line of credit uh, is uh, exceeds the amount of cost that they have out on the, on the street. Uh, so that's, that for me is a, is a big one. That's great. Jay. Hi, Sean. Uh, so uh, I have a little question about, you know, the, the, the precursor to setting up this firm with your partners. You know, you talked a little bit about sitting down and having these conversations about where, you know, how your practice is and where you think you're going to grow. Did you guys ever have any conversations about lifestyle vision that each one of you want to have? Because as you age into this practice, some people say, hey, you know what? I gave up having kids earlier in life. I want to spend more time with my kids or I want to, you know, travel the world on a boat three months a year. Did you have those types of conversations to avoid the the the, the oil and water sort of problems, you know, as, as a firm could be at 15 years or 20 years into it? Yeah, well, all, all three of us, when our, we're in our, gosh, you know, I had just turned 50. Uh, so we were all in our young right at 50 or, or a year or two past 50 when we came together. And so absolutely, we talked about, you know, how much longer are you looking to practice law? What, what is it uh, that your goals are with regard to, to this five years, 10 years, 15 years? Where do you see yourself? Um, do you still see yourself coming in and working? Uh, my practice, and each of us have such a, our, our own practices are different. They're complementary but they're very different. And um, for me, for example, I'm on the road constantly. It is There is not a week that goes by that I'm not a, on a plane flying somewhere uh, around the country. And so that's different than some of their practices. So I've had to learn over the course of my career how to both do management from afar, be available to my staff and to the lawyers that work on my cases from afar, uh, and, and do that uh, type of thing. And I can tell you the last eight months of, go or however long we are now, six, seven months of being locked in uh, is not what I signed up for. I, I hate sitting at a desk for eight or 10 hours a day. Uh, I'm, you know, this is about, our, to me, our business is about relationships. And uh, as much as we can see each other in this sort of two-dimensional Skype or, or Zoom world, um, we want to be having dinner with our friends and, and developing the, the friendships more. So that part of it has been uh, been difficult. But absolutely, we talked about what those things are that we want to 
accomplish where it is that we want to be. And, and you have to do that because part of that is what's our exit plan? What is, what is the continuation plan for the firm? Do we want a firm that exists beyond us? Do we want something that when we're done just kind of folds up? Um, so absolutely, we talked about all of those things. You know, you mentioned talking, learning from other people's mistakes. Obviously, there's a big thing going on in New York with the Salino and Barnes dissolution. Um, but did you have uh, concrete discussions about exit plans and, and wrapping up the firm before you even started? Is that something that you think is wise for people who are bringing on a partner or merging practices? That's something that they should be talking about early on. A absolutely, you need to have a, you need to have a plan in place how to deal with that. And very few of us are with the first firm that we ever started with. And we go into things hoping that it's going to last forever. But all of our life circumstances, they change. I know that I, you know, 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer and had to go through the treatment for that. And then I had a recurrence for that. And so, you know, you learn that whatever plans that we think that we have for life, life tends to laugh in our face about it. And so you have to recognize that truth. And I go back to, it is not enough to rely and say, these are my friends. You have to have it in writing and you have to be willing to talk about it on the front end. And some people are afraid to have those hard discussions, but if you can't have a hard discussion about these important issues uh, on the front end, what do you think is going to happen if something, you know, if there's a split and I see the biggest problems that happen in law firms is that when the split happens or somebody decides that they're going to go in a, in a different direction, that they have contracts or they have no contract that, that deals with the situations that they need to deal with. And that's where people end up hating each other. That's where the battles come in. And so who wants that? You know, I'm going to pivot for a little bit here. Um, you know, there are a lot of our listeners here have, uh, you know, do a lot of different things to build their practice. And, and one of the things I think you've done particularly well is build deep roots within AAJ. Could you sort of share with, with, uh, with our audience here a little bit about sort of, you know, what some of those opportunities may be for people who don't know about that AAJ, you know, people may know their state or local uh, trial trial groups but that AJ has a bunch of resources out there. And as a guy who's uh, going to be running this in, in a couple of years, would love to sort of have you share with them some of the things that uh, might be out there for them. Oh, absolutely. It, it has been such an instrumental part of the growth of my practice. And, and AAJ is about education, advocacy, and community. And uh, AAJ's education is the best education that is out there. And the bang for the buck that you get is incredible, whether it's deposition colleges or what they're doing on jury research. Uh, and, and they're going out into the communities and, and bringing that education to, to people. So that's a tremendous asset that we have. Uh, obviously, the advocacy part about it, of it where uh, somebody's got to fight for us to make sure that Congress doesn't put us out of business. Um, you know, being a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer is the only business that I can think of where we wake up every day concerned about the fact that a legislature in some state capital or uh, the legislature in Washington, D.C. can enact a law that can put us out of business. And look at it. You know, I, I do a lot of medical malpractice cases. 
there was a bill that was put into the Senate two weeks ago related to the COVID immunity that would have essentially immunized all medical cases for the next five years. Wow. And if you don't have somebody that's there with an eye on that and the ability to fight that, you can have all the great plans that you want, but you don't have a practice uh, yeah. anymore. So funny, it's sort of you know, when you think about the president, uh, you know, in, in theory, like, you know, hearing about all these ex- these threats to our national security that you go to sleep at night. And in theory, they, they and their joint chiefs are the ones that stay up worrying about it. I kind of feel like AJ has that responsibility for trial lawyers in the sense that, you know, all these things are going on and somebody has to be Linda and her team are there to make sure that there's at least somebody shining light on them so that uh, we, we don't have those uh, those threats. Uh, that's absolutely true, Seth. And it's incredible how hard they work. And, you know, it, it, and it's not just looking at bills. It's also the administrative rules that are out there, which actually dwarf the amount of stuff that happens in Congress. And our people have to read every single one of those administrative things, because, you know, if you're missing an Oxford comma, it can change the whole meaning of something. And, And our staff just does an incredible job. You know, the, the metaphor that I always use is, is uh, that we are a small band of Davids against an army of Goliaths. Uh, but we always, you know, we're, we're able to, to win the battles because, you know, one, we're right. Our, we're right on the issues. Number two, our people are just better than their people. And when you combine those two things together, you can do great things. And Linda and her team do great things for us every day. So that that's that's there. But then it's the community of AHA. And um, it, it has enabled me to develop relationships with lawyers across the country, not just across the country, really across the world. And um, it, it it allows me to generate more work. It allows me, no matter where it is that I might have a case, that I've got a law office that I can walk into and, and settle into and somebody there that, that will take my call at any time. They will do whatever it is that they can do uh, to help us. So you've got this sort of supercharged law firm that is unified across the country where everybody realizes that your success is my success. Your failure is my failure. And that it is truly that the, the rising tide lifts all of our boats. I want, you know, when, when another lawyer gets a $30 million verdict, I don't sit there and say, well, you know, grumble about it and say that that should be me. I say, that is incredible. Because now for my clients, I get to go and advocate and tell the, the people that are making money decisions that this is a $30 million case. Look at what happened over here on a similar type of case. So, uh, and, and that, so that, that community all fits in with education and advocacy coming together under that, that relationship thing that AHA brings uh, to us that is so unique uh, out there. And I, I, you know, I know that there are other trial lawyer organizations that may have education, but they don't have as much community or advocacy, or that some that may have education in, in community, but don't have the advocacy part of it. AAJ brings it all together and is truly uh, representative of us. And, and it's been an incredible experience for me to be a member of it, to grow within it, and now to become a leader in the organization. Awesome. 
Well, that's great. Thank you, Sean. We want to uh, pre- appreciate your time and your insights and, uh, th- you know, really appreciate you making time for us this morning. Thank you, guys. Great to see you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. You too. Be well. Bye. Hello, hello. And we're back here live again. And coming out of that interview with Sean, boy, some really some nuggets there, Seth. But we've got somebody else up here on the screen, somebody who you spend a lot of time with. Uh, I haven't been able to see you in a couple of months because we've been stuck in our homes, respectively, because of uh, coronavirus. Uh, normally, this time of year, we're hanging out in Las Vegas at PubCon, David. I've got David Brenton here on the line. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great, Jay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So here's the question I have for you, because it's something that we have started debating in our office. And I figure if anybody knows this and, and knows the, uh, how to handle it, uh, it would be you. And the question is this concept of near me. Right. And, and and there was a debate in our office if we should be adding the phrase near me. to basically all of our pages on our website or if we should actually make a silo on our website that includes in the URL structure, the words near me, uh, because so many people are typing into their search, lawyer near me, a state lawyer near me, divorce lawyer near me. Um, and so I'm wondering if that's something that has value and I couldn't get an honest answer by looking online at all the different forums and stuff. Uh, but I know one person who actually geeks out over this stuff more than I do, and that's you. So uh, so let, let's talk about it and, and tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, yeah, great question. And our clients are always coming to us asking us, you know, I want to rank higher for near me searches. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And really the best way to think about it and is to kind of take a step back and understand how Google is really interpreting a near me query. Um, when someone's literally typing in lawyer near me, what factors and signals are they taking into consideration um, to again, display a search result. So uh, when you think about it, and, and especially with near me searches, you end up with a lot more behavioral signals that Google is interpreting um, as a means for displaying search result. And what I mean by that uh, specifically is location is paramount. If I search, there's a lawyer literally every other block in the city. Um, if I search lawyer near me, I'm going to pull up results usually that are within you know two to three blocks of my apartment. If I were to get in a car and drive across the city, run that exact same query, I would typically um, pull up results that are, again, within that pocket of the city. Now, Google's also interpreting behavior. They know where I live. They know I saw Google used Google Maps to get across the city and everything else. And because of that, you may also have a result that shows from, uh, again, where I originally searched for my apartment. Um, really a long-winded way of saying that at the end of the day, uh, the behavior of the searcher, the location of the searcher, what they've been doing, where they go, all of this all of these signals are getting interpreted by Google. And with near me searches in particular, those signals outweigh a lot of the traditional SEO things that you'd be able to do uh, to, to, again, achieve a good search result. Um, that's not to say that having a robust local SEO strategy is not going to help you. Um, meaning if you have localized content, if you have local links and uh, local signals that Google's interpreting uh, when they're crawling the property, uh, a robust GMB with reviews, et cetera, um, all those things are going to help you show um, when someone is in an area or when their behavior indicates that uh, you should be shown for their query. Um, but it's, it's 
a lot different than um, your traditional search terms. Um, lawyer, injury lawyer, divorce lawyer, those queries are usually going to uh, take into consideration a lot more of those traditional SEO uh, things that we can, signals that we have to signal to the bot that we should be shown. But with near me queries in particular, again, the, the behavior of the searcher and where they are and how they're searching um, are much more important in Google's eyes. And, and that's why, to answer your question, should you put it in the URL, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, it may help you rank local or rank organically for near me searches. Um, it would probably, in my opinion, kind of confuse more than help. Um, really, what you should do is be optimizing your landing page or whatever page you want to rank um, as much as possible with those local signals, with local links, um, with, uh, again, uh, different local queries or terms that you can include in the content. Um, but at the end of the day, including it in the URL is not going to help you rank locally. Um, and again, that's part of the, the biggest thing to, to distinguish, too, is there's local results and there's organic. I have a, I have a follow up to that, and it's something that we... we uh talked a little bit about, just started talking about the last time I saw you, and that was local content. Would you recommend, instead of using stock imagery, to have a local photographer or a local picture with the proper longitude and latitude tags in it be placed on that page or those pages, rather than use just stock photography? Or, 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 or do you think that that's not necessarily a signal that uh, that that the bot might want to see. Well, it's, it absolutely can't hurt, um, and okay. it is going to be taken into consideration as a signal. Um, more importantly, though, is how is your markup? Is your markup all in place properly? Um, it, are you telling the bot when it crawls the property where you are and where you should be found and? Do you have the content around it to be found for those terms? Um, we can send, again, as many signals as possible. Go, again, imagery is great. Um, even you know, geotagging photos, like you said, these, these are all little things that are gonna help. Um, but again, for, for near me searches in particular, um, that user behavior is gonna become the most important. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I was gonna say, Jay, let's take this question a step back, right? Okay. Because the near me, like what we're looking for is when somebody searches, right? So there are different ways people can search. They might just say Connecticut DUI lawyer. They might say Connecticut DUI lawyer near me, or they might just see DUI lawyer. And I think, Brenton, if you could sort of spend a little bit of time talking about how Google is sort of showing each of those different variations and what sort of you have X amount of resources. How do you want to spend your time? And I think some of it, like most of our answers always deal with depends, depends what your competition is, depends, you know, wh what the search volume is. But Brent, could you speak a little bit to that? Because I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, how do you come up for each of those different ones or how do you prioritize which ones to focus on? Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, really what it comes down to was trying to show up for, again, Connecticut DUI lawyer, DUI lawyer while you're in Connecticut. Um, and when you're in, uh, you know, Stanford and you're searching DUI lawyer, whether or not near me, whether or not you're going to show up, um, all of it comes down to the core fundamentals, though, at the end of the day. If you have localized content, like I said, um, with those terms specifically in it, um, Connecticut DUI lawyer, um, you're going to inherently have DUI lawyer in there. Do you need to incorporate the near me term in there? We are currently toying with this. We um, have it put in local. We put nearby. We've put a lot of different terms into our content to see if it's actually going to move near me rankings. Organically, it's helped a little bit. 
Um, locally, it hasn't helped at all because, again, at the end of the day, those behavioral signals are what's moving those local results. Um, but to Seth's question, how can you show up for all of these different things? If I have a DUI lawyer page, if I have that with robust localized content for Connecticut or whatever city that I'm in, um, if I'm building local backlinks to it, and by that I mean local chambers, um, local sponsorships, uh, getting local restaurants to link back to you, um, having local meetups link back to you, all of these different signals, those are inherently more valuable um, than, you know, again, Jay, going back to taking a photo or whatever it may be, because it's picking up on all of this, all of the, the network, if you will, of a local neighborhood and as it relates to its online presence. Um, if it's crawling the pizza shop, if it's crawling uh, the local baseball team, the high school, all these different things, it's going to put together that you are where you say you are, more or less. Um, and so, again, if you really want to show for all of those different terms, it's building in all the local signals possible through link building, um, through content. And again, most importantly, and really importantly, is, is the markup, making sure your data markup is as it needs to be. If it's not marked up properly, if you don't have, if you're not telling the bot where you are before it crawls the property, then what is what are you doing? Okay, so I know what markup is. Seth knows what markup is, but many in our audience don't know what markup is, and we've talked about it a little time. So can you give us sort of a, a layman's explanation of what markup is and why it matters so much? Absolutely, yes. And Seth, you can chime in if I'm getting too technical. <laughs> uh, but really what it comes down to is uh, markup and structured data is um, a, a language and a form of code that you can put into a property that um, the bot will crawl before it crawls the rest of your site. Um, there's different forms of markup that you can have. Uh, most importantly, you should have lawyer markup because you guys are all lawyers. Um, you can have geo markup for where your office location is with coordinates. Uh, you can have review markup, FAQ markup, um, all these different things, but really at the core and in layman's terms, what you're trying to accomplish with markup is providing the bot with more information about a web page or about a company. Um, and if you have all these different things, all these different forms of markup working together um, before the bot actually crawls the site, it's, it, it gets all this information. It knows what it's about to see and read. Um, and as we've talked about before, the search bot is incredibly smart. It's picking up on even more signals than we ever thought it could. Um, and by just giving it this information, it can help interpret the rest of the property. Um, and that really, again, is when things start to jam more or less. You know, and look, I, I look at it this way. We could have Brenton come back and do an entire sort of like fundamentals class on markup, you know, for 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 a future episode. But I would say that like one of the analogies we use a lot at Blue Shark is the difference between if you're looking for pizza near me, right, where Google says, hey, you don't really want one from 30 minutes away. Most likely you're looking for the fastest place they'll get you a hot piece of pizza versus, you know, in certain other areas like lawyers whether or not somebody is within a half mile of you may be less relevant because the courthouse is somewhere else. And the, the fact is you're willing to drive a little bit further for that. And I think that is where, and Brent, I'd love you to chime in a little bit on this to sort of conclude, the near me concept is almost signaling Google while normally they're gonna show you a search with an expanded radius. Brent, do you find that the near me is giving a lesser radius, which could be for some people, if, if my theory is correct, and would love your thoughts on it, that for a newbie, 
who's trying to break in and there's a juggernaut in the market that owns Connecticut DUI, for example, that this gives you an opportunity to get some real estate because it's giving the ability for people to get more localized searches. What what do you think about that as a, 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 you know, a differentiator? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Really, the concentration of lawyers is going to greatly impact the near me results. And when you think of near me results and and just Google generally, they're trying to deliver the best user experience possible. If I, like you said, if I search Chinese food, um, where I am, again, like 12 Chinese restaurants are within two blocks here. So they're all going to show up um, versus one that's, you know, halfway across the city, it's going to take 45 minutes to get there. and I'm never going to actually go. Um, they're trying to deliver a good, positive user experience. And by doing so, um, again, they're going to get more engagement with the actual platform. Um, but to your question, if you're trying to get away from uh, a, a juggernaut or a high concentration of lawyers, um, you should be looking at where people are, first and foremost, where are they actually searching from? Um, and also kind of, again, like you said, separating yourself from a location perspective to grab that real estate that, you know, again, you otherwise wouldn't be able to necessarily get. Cool. Boy, that's a lot of, lot of technical stuff, but I think it, it sort of helps us understand the value of near me, uh, the, the role of near me and how it could play in your digital marketing. But David, I definitely want to have you back because I think schema is something that I understand a little, not as much as I would like, um, you know, and, and I think it's something that I think maybe our viewers would like to sort of know and understand better. So maybe in the next couple of weeks, we can get you back on and that uh, we can get you out of that that terrorist dungeon that looks like Seth Scotch and living in. I mean, there's no art on the walls. There's a, a single window. It looks, it looks like to me like, it, like Seth just has you chained to a radiator uh, with a laptop nerding out on, on, on code. But uh, maybe we can get you out of there, get you cleaned up a little, and, uh, and get you in front of the cameras. Uh, that might be the way to go uh, forward. What do you think, Seth? Think we could get him back on the show after you've cleaned I will, him up a little bit on it? I think he, he's happy in his lair, and uh, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. He doesn't have to leave his place, and he's he doesn't have to deal with people. Oh, I, it, it is for me too. I mean, you know, people exhaust me. I, I I can be extroverted, but I truly am an introvert. So it's awesome to be able to sit at home and do all this stuff. I'm 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 kind of happy right now. I know Brent and you are too. So. Um, you know, this, this, is, this has been good for me. But, Brent, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it, you really sort of helped us sort of frame an issue there. And I definitely want to have you back to talk a little bit more of this because I think it's something that our people can uh, definitely learn from. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. So we're going to be right back after a few words from our sponsors, wrap up the show, and talk to you about what we have coming up next week. We'll see you soon here on this edition of Maximum Growth Live. The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet, and there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the FirmFlex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like, and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. 
The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you, helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about, all for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Well, Seth, that was great. Uh, Brenton's just so knowledgeable in this area. I do think you should sort of un, uh, take off the handcuffs, get him away from that radiator, get him out of there, get him some sunlight maybe. Uh, but, uh, you know, although it seems to be working, he, he's very knowledgeable in this area by just keeping him chained in that basement. So uh, I, I think that as long as uh, hockey is only on TV, he'll remain there when, you know, he'll when, when, when they actually start playing with, uh, with fans, uh, we might see him leave the basement. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so we, we've had a great show today. I mean, first off, starting with Sean, got some really interesting things. And I think that's something that uh, some of the people in our audience, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they have a friend, they decide to hang a shingle. But when you've been in the practice for a little while uh, and you're you're merging practices of, of people who've got gravitas already, there's a lot of conversations you need to have. And I'm not saying that you don't need to have those conversations when it's just you and your buddy, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you and David did not have the, how does this end conversation when you guys hung your shingle? Cause you didn't have anything to worry about. Exactly. And look, this is something we talk about all the time. How much do you want to paper up front? Because then you'd never do anything. You and I go back and forth with ideas. You know, you're like, hey, I'm going to create a whole plan and system before I launch an idea. And I'm like, hey, we'll throw spaghetti at the wall. If it sticks, we'll do a plan later. Right. I feel like to a certain extent that mirrors, you know, the sort of how we started the firm. And I think that for other people, it's really tough because, you know, you know, this isn't just a business idea when you're merging two things together. And I think we touched on it with Sean. The thought is what will happen? At, and he's been around the block enough to know that law firms don't always survive forever. And that if you do have some sort of an exit out there that it's going to give you a fighting chance. You you referenced a very high profile New York breakup right now, which is, you know, legendary. Um, and that, you know, some like any advanced planning would be great at the same time. Would they have had a firm if they sat down and hashed that out? Because half the time, you know, you and the thing that I again you you touched on during the Sean interview was what what do you want and what you think you want at 50 when you start a firm or at 40 or at 35 may not be the same that kids come they have different you know ages you have little kids now you know Sean's now an empty nester you know does that change what you want does it does it does it change your outlook when you've hit certain economic milestones and so you know while it's great to put all of that in writing a, it can prevent you from moving forward, and B, things may change so dramatically. So I, it is one of those great questions, and I feel like the further you are in your career with the more data points, the the more of a fighting chance you have to actually help come together well and figure out what would be the exit strategy at the other end, whereas when you're starting with nothing, it's much, much harder to conceive of that. Yeah, it's interesting because this is actually going to be, this is my homework assignment for John Fisher's mastermind tomorrow, 
that you and I are going to be participating in is that, you know, as my firm sort of is in a transition phase, as you know, my father is leaving the practice to some extent. Uh, and I'm now with other, uh, I don't want to call them junior lawyers, but people I've brought on in the last couple of years, I've been with it for 20 years. I have to sort of define my next stage. Uh, and it's and it's not troubling. It's just challenging. Uh, and, and I want to get, get it right so that if I do say, hey, I want to walk away in 10 years, there's a plan in place for me to be able to do that. That's a whole nother concept. I, I feel like that isn't the concept with Sean. The question is, hey, you have partners. How do you do right by them? And if you decide you don't want to be with them, how do you divorce peacefully like a prenup versus what you're talking about as a whole nother segment for another show, which is how do you make this an asset that is has value that you can either minimize your own labor in or be able to spin off, et cetera. And those are some of those different pieces. We've touched on it a little bit without even, I think, knowing it, talking with Sarah Kaki about branding a firm and the idea that you're taking yourself out of it. But right now, Ruane Attorneys is you. Like, you know, Joe Biden yeah. said the other night, you know, the Democratic Party is me. You are Ruane Attorneys. So yeah. the value of the firm without you, does that does that change dramatically? It does. And so the question is, you know, there's still value, but the question is, what are the steps if you if you're looking for exit plan down the road? Are there things you would do differently? And are some of those things you might do differently because it's Ruane Attorneys and you have a brand that's probably done very well. So you've made money along the way. Are you, you know, you know, curtailing what a potential exit would be because you're 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 feeding your family along the way? Yeah, it's there's so many things to consider. It's, I mean, we could talk for days on these things and I'm sure we will over the next, over the next years as we get into this. And like you said, things are going to change my, you know, my position within my firm, within my family, uh, within my goals, all those things change. And so you need to be nimble enough to be able to do that. But uh, we're going to end the show uh, coming up. I want to talk about a few things that we've got going on. Of course, October 15th, we have our 2021 growth hacks, the 10 growth hacks for the next year. Uh, so I want everybody to make sure that they put on their calendar to be able to attend that show live because there's going to be some great things. We'll probably have some special guests that we've been talking to to come on to talk about their hacks. So I really think that's something that's going to be awfully special. And of course, we've got uh, our Tuesday show coming up. Uh, we've got a new segment that's going to be starting soon uh, with Kelsey Bratcher about automation. Of course, Ryan with all his books. So we're throwing a lot of content at you folks. Uh, and, uh, you know, Seth, I, I gotta say, you know, I'm really happy with where this, with this program is going because I think there's a lot of takeaways that anybody can get out of every show. You're getting two, three, four takeaways and stuff that you can concentrate. What, what's your thoughts on that? No, I, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, we've been again. I feel like a decade in the in the making. It's our our late night conversations uh, put put and seen, and the idea that we can bring all the of our our friends with these different expertise and passions uh, into the mix has made for uh, just a lot of fun content. Yeah, and I'm, we're working already, folks. We got a bunch of DMs uh, of people that are interested in a whiteboarding session with us, sort of a hot seat whiteboarding session. So if you're interested, make sure down below uh, you leave your name, shoot us a DM so that we can get in touch with you uh, because we'd love to have you on the program, love to work through your problems, whiteboard it with you, sort of figure out how you can get to the next level, and, and we'll be able to help you to grow your firm. So with that, Seth, we're going to sign off. I am Jay Ruane, FirmFlex. Ruane Attorneys, he is Seth Price. I want to make sure it looks good. Seth Price over here. And Seth is with Blue Shark Digital as well as Price Benowitz down in 
Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Virginia. And we are your hosts. So thank you so much for being with us. With that, we'll leave you now. We'll see you on Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of Maximum Growth Live. Bye for now, folks. Thank you for listening to Maximum Growth Live. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and tune in live on Facebook every Thursday for our live show. For more information, visit Maximum Growth Live on Facebook or MaximumLawyer.com and be sure to share us with your friends.